We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Oh, what a time to be alive. What a time. What a time. Um, We are coming at you on a Monday. The undefeated Knicks in games that totally matter and will uh, certainly, um, you know, equal uh, a 62 and 20 regular season. I mean, what what more can you ask for? Um, Before we get to talking about those games, though. He's he's back. He's back. Uh, I'm just going to introduce him first and then I'll, I'll say a few words. Jeremy Cohen. Hello, sir. Hey, John. Yeah, I uh, I faxed you that I was coming back. It was just those two words. And that's how that's how you knew, really, because I could have been gone for a lot longer, but you found I, out. I thought you were going to make a Riley resignation. I was thinking uh, about joke. it, but I feel like that's kind of been played out a little too much. So, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to listen to uh, episode 400 yet with uh, Mr. Mr. Van Gundy. But at, at the beginning of the show, I said a few words because it was episode 400 and said some nice things about Andrew. And, and I said, I would save the nice things about you for this episode. And I've really been trying to think of some shit over the last week, but I got to tell you, it's a, no, I'm kidding. Um, listen, uh, very briefly, because I'm sure this is what the listeners really want to hear. Um, once upon a time, when I first started this thing, I was shocked, literally shocked that you would stay up until all hours of the night to do post-game podcasts with me on a podcast that for all you knew, no one was listening to. And for all I knew, maybe nobody was listening to it either. I, I really have no idea. Um, and that morphed into you becoming my partner in crime every once a week. Uh Fill in for me this summer uh, when I needed to move. Um, if you were someone that had absolutely no positive qualities as a podcaster, I would still love you and appreciate you for just showing up every week. So to listen to my bullshit um, and deal with me on a regular basis. But the fact that you are um, and not just for a casual, Jeremy, not just for a casual, but you are an elite, elite basketball mind. And you actually, and in all seriousness, you push me and my thinking and and my uh, takes and everything, and you hold me accountable more than anybody else could. Um, I just want to say, you know, thank you. I know you haven't been, you know, for like every one of the 400, but for all intents and purposes, in my mind, you are a part of every one of those 400 episodes. So um, just want to say thank you. And you're awesome. And uh, I hope you had a, a nice vacation and, and that you missed us. Well. First of all, thank you, John. I really appreciate it. I loved the 400th episode. As someone who did not get to experience the 90s Knicks, I learned quite a bit and I really appreciated that. And I thought you asked some fantastic questions. And um, yeah, I mean, just the fact that we've made it to 400 and you've been on 396 of them. 
Or whereabouts, yeah. So a bit. I mean, not including post games and pre games yeah. and all these things. It's it's a testament to the work that you've put in. Um, and it's, it's testament it's, to how little I have to do. Well, no, because you you make the time. I mean, look, you know, you're still a family man. You give to your family, and and you know, I just my daughter's scrunchy right here. There you go. Exactly. But um, no, I mean, I'm just I'm really proud of of how far you've come. How far all of us have traveled. Um, you know, I mean, I think back to when we were first meeting in person and it was around the time that KFS was actually starting. And, yeah. and when we had met at this event, I, you know, I just thought like something about this, John, John is the person to know. And I, you know, we had a great time and I reached out after thought, this is something that I think could work. And through trial and error, we found a magic formula and here we are, you know, and, and so it's just been, it's been great, but I, you know, I'm sorry that I missed last week. Okay. Um, I, I had a great time in Colorado. You actually beat me to the punch in terms of, uh, the word that I would use to describe it. It was a very casual trip. It was just very chill and relaxing. Didn't really plan a whole lot. It was great. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah, sometimes awesome. Rocky like- Mountain National Park is fantastic. So, oh, wow. Okay. Really cool. Yeah. Saw an elk. Saw several elks. There's nothing casual about elks. Well, but I didn't, I wasn't expecting them and they were pretty casual themselves. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Cause they're elks. I mean, they just kind of like, yeah. I wonder what you'd pay an elk on like an extension. What do you think? On an extension? Like a contractor. Cause you'd extend an elk to play Mm -hmm. for your town. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Fear of the elk? I don't know. Anyways, uh, no. So I, I know from the Chris Herring pod that you are uncomfortable with these compliments. So embrace it since people aren't often going to be able to tell you on air, the work that you're doing. Uh, I can hold you accountable, but I can also brag for you and you've done sure. a remarkable job. And okay. um, I'm very Enough happy. Of this. I, Enough no, no, of this no, nonsense. no, no. I took it. You can take it. Anyways, no, no. I, I, there's really not much more, but I'm excited to get back to Knicks basketball. We've got a yeah. great season ahead of us. Um, and here's to another 400 and then some. Giddy up. Uh, I love it. Um, can I also just share before we get into today's topic, which is, uh, Preseason. Andrew, can I get a can I get a rule check here? What's up? We're we're doing preseason overreactions and underreactions, or just overreactions? It's three good, three or two good, two bad. Like two list overreactions, and then you guys will both say whether this is a good overreaction. Like you believe in this overreaction, and then an overreaction. This is we're gonna play off of your partner where. You'll say one and Jeremy be like, I agree. That's a good overreaction. Jeremy, um, you've been gone. Do you want to go first or do you want to toss it to me? Uh, no, I'll, I'll go first. That's fine. Okay. Uh, so I guess the first overreaction uh, in this case, I'm going to say, uh, so Jericho Sims, right? I love him. You love him. We all love him. Everybody loves Jericho. There seems to be this idea that I have seen online um, of how the Knicks need to find minutes for Jericho Sims based on the fact that he is cleaning up on the glass, that he is an offensive presence, that he's actually expanding his game a bit more. And he's, you know, working in pick and roll. There are a lot of nice things we're seeing. Yep. And I look at the team and how when healthy. I mean, of course, that is a question mark because Mitchell Robinson is out. Aaron Zoel has some lingering knee issues, and Taj Gibson is um old and then you have Jericho Sims and uh, you know from a basketball standpoint he's old from a from a human standpoint he's he's still got many years ahead of him but he's you know, not old idea, any, from any standpoint but continue all right fair enough um the idea that Jericho Sims needs to be prioritized when if I'm being candid his defense stinks in a lot of ways um it, it needs improvement and I just think that it's very easy for us to get ahead of ourselves and I really don't think he needs to be prioritized at the big league level really at all this year. It's great if he fills in for games, especially if the Knicks are down one or two centers. Absolutely. Play him. Give him time. Totally understand. But, you know, he shouldn't be prioritized because of the fact that there are other players who are better than him who still need the time. I also don't think it makes Mitchell Robinson expendable. Like Mitchell Robinson is not going to lose his job because of Jericho Sims. Uh, you can make an argument for Nerlens Noel down the line, especially if Nerlens Noel is included or something. You could, that, you know, later on. But you could make that argument. I can't make right. that argument. Now, and I right can't now. do it right now. It, it no. would be pointless. So um, I want to see Jericho Sims succeed, but I think it would be smarter to do it 
with the Westchester team and then have him expand, learn from the coaching staff, uh, both here and in Westchester since the teams, I, I know that the, the Westchester Knicks aren't playing in Westchester this year, but they're still practicing with the Knicks, the big league club, right? Yeah. And, and more importantly, the, the, like he'll be able to play with that team as much as he wants and be able to stay with the Knicks almost as much as he wants because the two way rules in terms of bending them from what they were before the pandemic have, uh, I think are still bent. So like, whatever, if you want Jericho Sims, you know, the Knicks can, can accommodate you. I'm with you. Um, this was going to be one of my, my bad overreactions, but I'll, I'll, I'll think of another one. Um, like I, you talked about some stuff flying around on Twitter. Like it's great that the Knicks got what appears to be an NBA player with the 58th pick in the draft. As you talked about many times on this podcast, you're not supposed to get in a, an NBA player at the 58th pick in the draft. You're not supposed to get an NBA player at the 38th pick in the draft. Oftentimes you don't get one at like the 18th pick in the draft. Um, if they got an NBA player, fantastic. Um, he is a, he is a rookie. Uh, there's a reason why he fell to 58th. His game is still raw. Like you pointed out on the defensive end. Um, it was funny. I, I clipped a shot of his for, for Monday's newsletter in which he had a very pretty little jump hook um, in the game against the Wizards. And I was rewatching it and I noticed there was Evan Fournier standing wide open in the corner with his hands waving. Well, Jeremy, now, he, look, he made the shot, so I guess it's a good shot. But like I, I went and looked and double checked. I'm like, I seem to recall something about his lack of playmaking being part of the reason he fell in the draft. And sure enough, four years at Texas, he had 49 assists. But I digress. Look, uh, nice player. Nice story. I hope he gets a chance to contribute this year. The notion that this is like they shouldn't have extended Noel or or resigned Noel, I should say, or like we could trade Mitch now. Like it's this is that's where what you're seeing in preseason does not equate to um, what you need to see in NBA games to be able to make decisions. Good. Good call. I like that you started off with that. I will say uh, it is still egregious that Taj Gibson was given the room exception because you have Jericho Sims. So. Just want to put that settling up. all family business today um, as it should be. Yeah. Listen, you've been gone for a week. You got to make up for lost time. Jeremy, yeah. just a quick question. What's more egregious that or like a hypothetical contract for Dante DiVincenzo of a hundred million dollars? Um, that's a great question, but I, I do have to just mention uh, that my legal team of John <laughs> Bernard and Yash has asked me to say no comment. No comment at this so, time. So uh, at this time, I would like to say no comment. Okay. And I'd like to say that the views of um, any of the co-hosts on Nick's Film School, casual or otherwise, do not reflect um, the the show itself or any of the other uh, individuals on the show. Um, <clears throat> where were we? Uh, oh yeah, my first overreaction. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, you started off with a bad overreaction. So I'm going to start off with, with a, a bad overreaction too, just to keep it going. And I don't even know if this is an overreaction because it's, it's not really based on this preseason. It's not even based off of last season. It's based, based off of the last 10 years of Tom Thibodeau's career. Um, I just, the notion that he's going to run the veterans into the ground because he's not playing enough for me, the, the kids enough in the preseason for me, that is a bad overreaction. Um, I know Derek Rose slipped and fell and it was a very scary moment. And um, my heart was in my throat as I'm sure it was, if you're listening to this and you saw it because that would have been very, very bad. But the fact that there was a wet spot on the floor and he could have maybe had a more serious injury than he, than they ended up having, we think um, to me has nothing to do with whether or not Tibbs is going to play him 15 minutes in a preseason game versus 23 minutes in a preseason game. Um, I'm going to steal from a, uh, another, uh, can I steal from a competitor's podcast, Andrew? Can I mention, uh, can I mention them? Okay. Yeah. Go um, ahead. I, well, it depends on the competitor. Go ahead. Uh, on the low post podcast, he had on, uh, I, whoever, whoever he had on recently that covers the Lakers. And I apologize. I forget who it was, but they were talking about LeBron and uh, LeBron's, minutes load his games load and this and that and the point was made um it was relayed i should say from from the person who who covers the lakers that like look in lebron's estimation the minutes he plays in a given game are meaningless and the reason they're meaningless is because for him whether it's 33 or 35 or 38 minutes in a game it's the day it's the game day that's the commitment because his game day starts at whatever ungodly hour and all the preparation he does and this and that 
And whereas taking days off, taking games off, that's where you recover and that's where you, you know, catch up ground. So it's just, it's a point that I hadn't heard made explicitly before. And look, maybe LeBron James is crazy and maybe LeBron James doesn't know what he's talking about, but I don't know. I think it's interesting that a, a guy who has more interest in like preserving himself for the rest of his career, what's left of it than anyone that's a stance that he's taken. It's just, it's something I wanted to throw out there. Cause I don't, I haven't heard it mentioned in the context of like the, the Thibodeau minutes thing. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't want to hear about the minutes. The guys are playing in the preseason. That's it. And and that's, that's my thing. I'm with you. You know, Rose could have played four minutes and slipped on a wet spot. And instead the goalpost would have shifted to why is Derek Rose even playing in a preseason game? Because he could get hurt. These games don't count. It happens, right? I mean, there, there's really nothing you can do about it. And he seemed fine and yeah. he didn't push it. There's a game on Wednesday, right? That's the next game. Yep. Uh, Thibodeau uh, Tib said that every, every starter, you know, significant rotation player, I believe is going to get one game off. So I have to think that might be the game, game that Rose off. gets off. Cool. Great. So now you're talking about a week and he's also fine. So that's just the way it is. Hey. And the thing that's sorry, I just that should, is implied here is that he's not playing these guys for fun. This is all goes into the preparation, preparing for a season. We just saw the Knicks win 41 games because they were a better prepared team than anybody else in the league, arguably. Um, it'd be great if they were a better prepared team than anybody else again. Uh, wouldn't that be nice? So I, I just for anybody who's like, well, you know, what's the point? That's that's the point. Anyway. Yeah. And I think the other thing, the other factor as well is um, and I don't know if this is part of your reactions it's this isn't mine it's just an added thought you know this idea of the players who are drafted this year and how yeah. they're on the outside looking in of what seems to be a fairly set 10-man rotation and okay so if something happens to Derek Rose then those are your Deuce McBride minutes if something yes. happens to another player maybe more at the you know the wing spot or at least the two guard Quentin Grimes is right there so these things will all shake out perfectly fine. They always do. They have in the past. I mean, you could say, okay, well, in the playoffs, obviously it would have been better to have Mitchell Robinson than as well. Uh, of course. Um, yeah. But still, people stepped up. And the Knicks have more talent this year and players will still step up. They're one of the deeper teams in the NBA. Don't see it being a significant problem. So I am 100% with you. There we go. Yeah. See? One mind. We could take a week off. So one mind. Um, you're up. What's your next overreaction? So, well, I had this in mind. I don't know. Maybe we could judge if it's not an overreaction. I can always shift over to something else. Yeah, sure. This, um, I have loved that the Knicks have been passing so much more than it Got seems. Um, basically, the preseason, obviously, but through these two games, they've had 26 and a half assists on average. And last year, I want to say they ranked bottom 10. Oh, they, they were easily they were like bottom they're 10. 29th, actually, I think. Um, yeah. If you took low. the 26 and a half and applied it to the regular season, then basically the Knicks would be, I think, the ninth best team in terms of assist uh, per game, uh, the passing, you know, making the extra passes. I feel like maybe the reaction is that the Knicks are playing like the Spurs because there's also a clip going on online that I saw where they, I don't know, they, they took off the ball movement of oh a Spurs set and then showed it with the Knicks. And I guess I'm going to buy it in that sense that it feels like a good overreaction. You know, like think about the amount of passing, especially that OB three that he made. I want to say it was the top of the key yes. where every pass seemed like that extra pass. And how often oh, that was the best seen, possession of the game. Yeah. Of course. But, but it even, it wasn't just that because we've seen it repeatedly, especially where even in the first game, the first quarter, even where the Knicks were consistently getting players open looks in the corners and the fact that the Knicks had so many players on the court at one point with that OB shot and any one of them could have taken it and I would have trusted them to make it, but they gave it to the guy who I think I probably felt the least comfortable taking the shot and I still didn't feel uncomfortable with it and he hit it. And so this, I just think it's going to get better and better because you could talk about at the five where they're not playmakers, right? We, we just talked about Jericho Sims, yep. 49 assists in four years. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, he's very much a, a play finisher. Yes. Nerlens Noel, same thing. Taj, of course, is different. He can really pass the ball. I mean, especially in comparison with, with those. Yes, in, I was about to say, in comparison, he, you know, he's, we're not talking yeah. about Nikola Jokic out there, but he can, no, he can make the play on the short roll. Yeah, right. So 
when you consider all of that and how they're only going to keep building chemistry and, and, you know, even just creating plays like when, when Evan Fournier in the first quarter of that first game, because admittedly most of the action I saw was that because I was on vacation, saw the second game in its full amount. But in that first quarter, when Fournier went to the line a few times, really drew contact. And I was just thinking about how he's at least opening up opportunities, right? Like, yeah. even though he got to the line, even though he had success, uh, he, he was able to do so much more that he could have made that extra pass, but it worked out. And I just feel like that wouldn't have happened with last year's team in the backcourt. Um, and as a result, I, I think it's pretty great that the, the instinct well, is, okay, is this the, great, the best shot I can take? Maybe it is, but is someone else, do they have a better shot that they can take? Yes, pass. That's great. So I think that the amount of passes that they're going to have uh, on average per game is going to increase. Same with the assists. And I buy the points. I mean, what? They scored 125. No, that was the, the Pacers score. 125 against the Pacers and 117 against the Wizards. Their, their so, offensive rating is is pretty great right now. Um, and and it, But I think you nailed it when you're because what you're really talking, forget about the, I mean, the assist number matters, don't get me wrong, and, and making whatever they made, 24 threes, certainly matters a lot. Um, but you know, you, know a, you know a good NBA offense when you see it. And like watching this, this offense right now, and again, this is not to disparage last year's team. Last year's team was a team that we will all love uh, for the rest of our lives for what they were able to accomplish and overcome with expectations and what have you. But you, I, I don't know. Rarely, rarely, I won't say never. Rarely do we watch that team and feel like, oh, this this is a top ten offense. Clearly, what they're doing, it's like, no, they figured out ways because that's what they had to do. And this will lead to my good overreaction. And I, I don't know that I've seen this. I would assume somebody has said this somewhere, but um, if not, I'm going to say it. Um, they made the single best upgrade at any position of any team in the NBA this offseason. and I'm. Not sure it's close. Um, who were the biggest free agent signings? Biggest or big, biggest money free agent signings were Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan. Am I forgetting? I mean, Lonzo was close, right? Um, you know, in terms of guys who switched teams. Um, like, Kyle Lowry's really good. Is he a, a ton better than Goran Dragic? Eh, I don't know. Maybe, probably. DeMar DeRozan, you know, he could do a lot of things, um, but he also, there's some things that he can't do and we'll see how that works out. And obviously the Bulls are, are been killing it in the preseason, but I, and, and, and to be clear, Kemba has like, he had a very nice game one. He was only two for seven in game two. He was two for six from downtown, but just having a guy there who opens that extra door. And it's a door that pretty much every other team in the NBA has a has a point guard that can open where you at least have to guard the guy. There are a few exceptions, but the exceptions are players who could do other things really well. And they they had a guy who couldn't do anything well for all intents and purposes. And they went to this. I think that is what has opened up the passing that you're talking about. I think that's what's opened up the fact that the ball movement now is not ball movement into oblivion. It's ball movement that goes somewhere because there are no hiding spots. Um, with this offense right now, and we'll we'll see if it continues in terms of the health. But like, if the, if this rotation stays the way it is, I just I don't know. I, I'll I'll save the other re- overreaction for for a minute from now. But like, I just I think they it, it is just the biggest upgrade that any team has made. So there. Yeah, you know I was curious, and it's preseason, so it doesn't count anyway. But Kemba's pull up three. Yeah. If that were a regular season attempt and uh, basket, he would have had the same amount of pull-up threes as Alfred Payton did all of last year. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? So, uh, uh, God, Elf, I hope you're doing great in the Valley of the Sun. Um, man. Yeah. I was under the impression <laughs> we were only doing two in general. But I, I can pull something out if you want. Is that cool? Oh no, I, I got. Listen, we, I, I got. I got more. You got. Okay. Cool. Oh, let's okay. Keep it going. All right. What? Um, let's talk about Obi, shall we? So, we I tread tread lightly. I will tread lightly, but I will. I will say this. I really enjoyed your preseason or your, your predictions of of this upcoming season. I thought all five of them 
They were very sound fundamentally. There's clear logic behind them. The one that I felt like, I don't know, John, I don't know about that was the Obi one. I, I don't see, I think he's going to pop hundred <laughs> percent. I don't think it'll be in as many minutes and I'm going to keep putting my foot down about the Randall Obi tandem as well because of the lack of rim protection and because Tibbs has said so many times that at this point, if he were to do it, I would just honestly be shocked. But again, I I think that, you know, he went scoreless in the first half and then scored 13 points. What I found was hilarious was that uh, Mark Berman tweeted how Knox has 11 points or 12 points. And then, and Obi had zero in the first half. And then after that tweet, Obi scored 13 points. Did he tweet? I and, didn't see that he tweeted. And that. Knox didn't score a single one. Uh, yeah, no, he he did. So uh, thank you, Mark, for, I guess, uh, kind of balancing save, the world again. I'll save my reaction for after you fit. Okay, keep going. No, it, it's just, I think that he will expand his game in several ways. But as I've said before, with having Randall on this team, I don't think you're going to see a huge sacrifice in minutes he's going to have. And I don't see them playing significant minutes together. And I just think that there is... A, a roadblock for Obi. And I think that he will improve on his numbers. He looks better. He looks, I thought that things just kind of flowed better. And, you know, you could see it a little bit in the summer league. It's summer league though, but he could read things a little bit more prominently. And I thought that was important because he looked lost and he's always been a late bloomer. And, uh, you know, yes. my, my um, expectations, I think, for a 22 year old rookie were probably in hindsight too high, even though I thought, okay, well, he's 22, but if he's just always been a late bloomer, then it's going to take time. But I just don't see an avenue for him to be more than a high quality backup this year. And that's all I think he really needs to be. But I I don't, I'm not quite on that, that choo-choo train that you are for. Oh, wow. We're riding trains now. We're riding trains. We are. Here's the thing. Um, you and the other one who's giggling in the corner here, you're both idiots. And here's why. Tell us. Go ahead. Tell us. Yes. Please. Now, look, in all seriousness. And I want Jeremy mentioned in the next letter too next time. Okay. First of I all, I appreciated not being in that. Yeah. Obi, and yes, Andrew Claudio. I, like, <laughs> I will say this. If they had Shots traded fired. him, you know, look, the offseason turned out the way it did, and we got Kemba and we're all very happy. If they had traded him along with their first round picks for Colin Sexton, that would have been fucking ridiculous. And I would have talked myself into it if they did. That would have been stupid. Can we at least, maybe we can't agree on that now. I think that would have been. It depends, right? Because if the Knicks are traded for Colin Sexton, it obviously means no Kemba Walker. Yes, exactly. Which So, I mean, and if there's no Kemba Walker on the table, you know, if he weren't bought out and then signing with the Knicks, I still don't know what other option would have been. That's a significant upgrade over what we had it, last it, year. It, it wouldn't have been right. So in that case, it's just well, redistributing. It, it, I agree. I it's not. And we'd be, and we'd be sitting all season wondering whether fine. or not whether or not they're going to have to give Kemp or uh, Colin Sexton the max in a year. Andrew, you look for Puck. No, just would it? It's a question for Jeremy. Wouldn't it mean no Fournier or the way the cap works? Like if they if the Thunder were going to buy out Kemba anyway. Couldn't the Knicks have still had that like $8 million to give him a Well, contract? the way I see it is that Colin Sexton's making about $6 million this year yeah. and Kemba's making eight or so. So if there's any player that you're probably going to have, it would be swapping Kemba and Colin Sexton because they're more aligned positionally and yes. financially and you still so could have gone out and Sexton paid Sexton would be your point guard there was, rather than... Okay, I see what you're doing. There was okay. zero chance that Tibbs was going to start Colin Sexton as his two guard. Um, that was that was never going to happen. Okay. Anyway, um, look, Obi did not have an amazing game. He had four fouls in. He picked up his fourth foul in the first minute of the second half. Um, you know, a couple of the, I, I didn't mind the fouls myself. Uh, there was maybe one or two that you, you could ding him for, um, as was pointed out to me. Uh, I want to say maybe in the, the post game live, a few of them were, were maybe covering up for for uh, some other defensive issues. Um, if I'm misattributing that, I apologize to whoever did say that to me. It was a good point. In any case, he looked the part on defense. He, and, and when I say he looked the part, I just want to be very clear. He looked the part of a guy who like can play NBA defense. He knows what he's doing. He knows where to be. He knows where to go. The reaction time, I kind of like, I like, kind of like how he just moves around out there. Putting aside the fact that he had two blocks 
One of which was like he blocked it right back to, to Trez and Trez put it right back up and in. But the other one uh, was a change of possession. It was a really meaningful one. I thought the timing on it, the, the positioning on it, the um, the the defense that he played because he had to hedge out to his guy on the three-pointer like or behind the three-point line. These are it may not seem like the most exciting things, but then when you combine, you know, the athleticism of that dunk that he threw down and what Andrew, you clipped it. I forget when it was sometime in the second third half. quarter, third quarter, yeah, yeah. third quarter with, I mean, if the three point shot comes along as well, like he just, he looks like a guy who could do some things at the NBA level. I have absolutely no argument to either of you when you tell me that he's not going to get the minutes because that's my fantasy. If I think that he's, Tibbs is going to play the two of them five minutes a game together. That's not going to happen. That said, there were 12 or 13 players in the NBA last season who played every game, right? So, or whereabouts. RJ Barrett was one of them. Julius Randle uh, missed one game. Um, like, I don't think it's insane to think that Randall may get a couple of days off this year. I, I know it's a Tibbs team and like, but... I, I see that Andrew's give me this look like, yes, it is insane. I don't think it's insane as, as an aside injuries happen. And look, it, even if it's, he played, he averaged 10 minutes a game last season, 10, 11 minutes a game. Imagine what more he could do with just three more minutes, a half, three more minutes, a half. You put him at 16, 17 minutes a game. You, 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 you know, and again, this is not going to work out exactly. So in every game, but you have garbage time where maybe Randall sits towards it. Like, I think he could get enough time to make the, the difference if he has improved. And it appears that he has to make that uh, cognizable and, and um, noticeable enough to, to really be meaningful. That's I my get spiel. It. Yeah. I just, I don't see, we don't really have a lot of evidence of Tibbs sitting guys for games. We I mean, not. let alone even a lot of garbage time. I mean, how, how many times did we talk about last well, season? Like there's five minutes left and the Knicks are winning by 15. Why is it that? Cause he didn't trust Obi then. Time? And I think he trusts Obi now, but it wasn't just Obi, right? Because it was still the whole starting five or at least a majority of it where it was, they, they were, were thinner. He went to his guys that he trusted he, and, and they were thinner at times last year because right. they had these little injuries here and there. But you can trust Obi, but still trust your all NBA player more to the point where you're still sticking with him. It's not about not trusting Obi. It's about trusting the other guy more. No, I, and you're right in terms of the, I think it was 12 players who played all 72. And one of them was Dwayne Bacon, who, um, you know, I think yeah. will make the team. And I, I do want to say I was very impressed because I was going to come onto this podcast and talk about the little wrinkle with Wayne Selden and how he's two way eligible. And you beat me to it. And I, I was very, my hat. Is tip to you, sir. That was well done. Um, well, Dwayne Bacon is not because he's correct. That is absolutely correct. Um, but you know, like, and and again, um, I was at the gym today, and I heard, I listened to the you know, caught up on my KFS podcasts and the Chris Herring one where he talked about Tibbs and the eighty-two game players, and they bring in yeah. all these guys who played eighty-two, doing the same thing with Dwayne Bacon, and it's you know, he just wants durability, but at the same time, I just don't think we have the evidence to point in the direction of him saying, okay. Julius, take a take a rest. We're gonna put Obi in to finish this down the stretch before it's you know like too late in the game where the, well, that impact isn't really gonna change that much. Uh, look, it's it's conjecture for us to say we know what's gonna happen, we know what's not. You're absolutely right. The evidence is far stronger in your corner. Um, I don't know. I think there's a path for him to get to 16, 17 minutes a game, which is probably not as much as. Um, you know, some people would like, but I think it's it's enough. Um, okay, so I had, so you had your your overreaction I, I, was. I don't mean to. By the way, I don't mean to. I don't want to be pegged as the Obi hater all season. I don't want. You to are be the Obi hater, but that's fine. I don't mean want to be tagged in every single Obi top and highlight. One of my things looking forward to last week, if we all forget, was that I wanted to see Obi play minutes during the preseason. I loved yeah. what he looked like in the preseason game. But I just pulled up his game log from last year. Now, if you're projecting that Tibbs will change his stripes next this season, then fine. But there were only 11 times where Obi played more than 15 minutes. And yep. in 10 of them, the games were decided by 15 points or more. So most of those. Minutes yeah, but those games will happen again. What, what I think is going to change 
and which we saw a lot of last season where you'd look up at the game and you have it right in front of you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing there were a lot of like seven minutes, 52 seconds, six minutes. And, and you know, the thing that 58. stood out the most was I went and looked at the win streak and to see what the minutes looked yeah, like. That was, that was coincided than, when played less than 10 well. minutes most of the yeah. time. Yeah, so. exactly. Because he didn't trust them. The one thing I'll say, I think Jeremy will agree with this to your point about the Colin Sexton trade. It's less about like it would be stupid because of Colin Sexton and way more about the fact that their backup for if Obi Toppin's not on this team is Kevin Knox. And I don't know if that's an overreaction coming soon, but the way Tibbs loves defense, he would legitimately have an aneurysm on the sideline if Kevin Knox was his only backup to Julius Randle. I'll I'll go to that's a uh, sorry J- Jeremy go no I, just, I mean I don't think Obi's going anywhere this season uh, unless yeah. unless something significant happens I think he's staying and I see what you mean but I think also the Knicks would have done something a little different in terms of fair they the with, the, with you know in the off their season, needs they, would have been different if they had traded for Colin Sexton yes right yeah. but I'm with no, you there's really there aren't a ton of fours and that's where the curiosity, I mean, is, is Dwayne Bacon really going to play the four? Is he, I mean, I don't think he's going to play at all, really. I don't think but, Dwayne Bacon is going to play at this rate. Right. But, you know, could he even size up that much? I don't think so. So, okay. unless the Knicks would also be acquiring a four as well, like it, it, that, that pairing, you know, that one two punch, rather, is a better way of phrasing, probably, is great. Keep that. But, you know, we'll just see how that is moving forward. Well, it, it's, you know, can I promote a compromise so that way the three of us aren't like beating this dead horse all season? Please. The compromise is Obi will probably get more minutes because the Knicks will be in more games that are decisive. So even if it is just 16, I don't, the guys played more than 20 minutes in an NBA game twice. And one was the first game he ever yes. played, and one was the blowout against San Antonio after the all, uh, right before the all star break. I think the Knicks will be in more decisive games because the offense looks better. Therefore allowing Tibbs. Yeah. Tibbs is not going to play Randall 25 minutes, but might play him 31 at, at some point this year, meaning Obi can pick up the slack. I, I think that's fair. Um, yeah. and, and I'm excited to see those minutes. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's going on? I'm Andrew Claudio. And I'm Bernard Ozerowski. And this is our brand new movie podcast, Final Review. Each week, we'll pick a different movie that is widely considered one of the greatest of all time. And determine just how great it actually is using 10 different top five lists. For example, The Dark Knight might be great, but is it even a top five Christopher Nolan film? Or Blade Runner might be an all-timer, but is it even a top five Harrison Ford performance? At the end, we'll add up the movie's total score. And see once and for all where it lands on the all-time Pantheon scale. Let us know how much you agree or disagree with our rankings. You can follow the show on all social media platforms by searching Final Review Pod. New episodes drop every Thursday on iTunes, Spotify, and all the other major podcast streaming sites. Final Review, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Subscribe now wherever podcasts are available. Knicks basketball is finally back, and there is no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Knicks tickets anymore. TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. I know with the real games around the corner, while I am, of course, excited about every Knicks game, I think I'm most excited to see how the Knicks do in a rematch at home against the Atlanta Hawks. Seeing Trey Young take a back on the court last season was not something I took kindly to, so I feel like that is one game I may need to be there in person for to show just how much I disapprove of his antics. If you would like to go root against Trey Young or any of the other Knicks opponents this year, visit tickpick.com slash film school today and use the promo code film school to save $10 on your first order of Nick tickets. One more time, visit TickPick.com slash FilmSchool today and use the promo code FilmSchool to save $10 on your first order of Nick's tickets. All right, you mentioned Kevin Knox. I'll, I'll get Knox out of the way. Um, I, again, uh, don't spend as much time on Twitter as I used to. I imagine there were some people that were very um, over-the-top happy about his his showing the other night. He was, uh, what did he end up, four of... Six from deep, four of seven from deep, whatever it was. Something like that. Um, he made four threes in the first half, um, and he seemed to get more confidence as the game was going along. Um, it, to the extent that this means anything other than maybe Tibbs feels like 6% better about putting Knox in if injuries forced his hand, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy that. Um, I think Kevin Knox... And look, uh, I'll I'll just flat out say I was dead wrong because I I think it was probably during his second year I was like trying to make arguments about, like pinpointing like look he's he's a little bit better defensively if you look at him he's doing this he's doing this better. Granted, it was better than his rookie year when he was maybe the worst defensive player in the league and he couldn't he had nowhere to go but up. But like, yes, he's made subtle little improvements. He's never you watch him and he's he's not a he's not a guy you could trust. To play NBA defense, I, uh, if your if your team is looking to contend for anything other than a lottery pick, um, and I you know I feel badly that I was very wrong about that, um, but I was, and I just I'd rather own it now than try to continue to say like oh there's a player in there somewhere. I I don't know. Um, I just I think it might be a physical thing. Uh, many 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 people have mentioned just he just doesn't have the foot speed. I I don't think that's wrong. Um, but if like, man, I, I, if anybody calls them up and was like, hey, we'll give you what's the, 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 the I'm sure someone on here is familiar with the Seinfeld episode with the free coffee. Life, mm-hmm. life. Yeah, you, yeah. we're prepared to offer you a lifetime of free coffee and we'll take it. Yeah. Yep. So Leon Rose, should, it doesn't matter what what the phone call is. If anybody offers anything for Kevin Knox, you should take it happily. So I agree, but I've actually. I want to ask this. I know it's the possibility of it happening is so slim, but I want to pitch it because it's a podcast and I was thinking about writing it. And it's, I think it's the type of thing where it's actually better spoken than it is written because now it could I'm just scared. be taken the opposite direction. So I'm with you. I mean, I'm glad that you have recognized more deeply about Knox and the inabilities and 
all these things. And the threes are nice, but it's every other part of the game that needs assistance and he's not going to get the time. So, you know, the easy decision would be to trade him. Uh, and again, in your newsletter, you talked about how it's tough to do that right now because there are restrictions. There are, you know, guys who maybe don't want to be moved. Um, they're just a number of problems. So here's my cockamamie idea. Oh, goodness. What if, if you're the Knicks, <laughs> what if you break the Charlie Ward curse? <laughs> and you sign Kevin Knox. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You sign Kevin Knox to a contract similar to that of like what Dante Exum got, right? So it's like you could do the first year of that Three contract. Three years, $30 guaranteed. million? Dollars? No, I'm not saying that number. I'm, okay. Like, like, okay. Uh, in my head, it was like you give him $5 million a year and you make the second year and the third year non-guaranteed. So, or, you know, you, you basically do it in a way that you can, you have this amount of team control and you can just cut him. The reason okay. I'm saying that is because, and this will be a problem moving forward. Uh, the one thing with, I know you talked about Vildoza the last episode. He's old news. No. Agreed. Oh, you know, I know sort of thing, going with this. It's the contract. You're a, you're a looney tune, but I'm I know a, I, I am, but, but, I, but you can't tell me I'm wrong here. Other than I, the fact I, that it's crazy. I, <laughs> if you, if you extend Kevin Knox for just one more season, that's guaranteed just one. Right. I mean, you sign him to a multi-year deal, but yes. you only have the one year. You you extend team control of him, right? And so the one issue with doing that, with signing a player who's a first round pick before the deadline, is that there is a poison pill issue, right? So, like with Kuzma, for example, when the Lakers wanted to consider trading him last season or whatever, um, he his salary was like three point eight million dollars, but outgoing it was closer to ten million dollars because he signed, I think it was a three year. $39 million deal based on the formula that shakes out to then the math is harder to move him for. Yeah. With someone like Kevin Knox, if you signed him to like three years, $15 million or, or you know, whatever it is that it, it wouldn't you create a big issue, right? It would be basically the same in terms of outgoing salary. And there's no restriction for moving him. Like you could sign him right now and then you won't move him again. I do not you just want to have any movable salary. That's, that's all it is. No, it's all it is. Kevin Knox, Sorry, buddy. You can, you know, I hope you find time somewhere else. But here's the reality. If the Knicks don't sign Kevin Knox to an extension before the deadline, and oh, he's gone. I mean, and they won't, then he's gone because you have to turn his expiring salary into movable salary so that then you can keep moving guys. Like we're talking about uh, you know, aggregating salary together to then maybe bring in a big fish well, later on. Wait, hold on though. <laughs> now I was, I mean, I was going to say you could still, you could still flip him later in the season as an expiring contract, but, I, 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 but what are you flipping him for? Because right. you know, no one else is, I mean, unless you're flip, basically you're talking about maybe they'll flip him for somebody else's unproductive rookie that makes her like you're, uh, you're flipping or, him for fucking Mo Bamba or something. I don't know. Any, any player. Well, Mo Bamba is an, ex, uh, he's going to be a free agent too. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying, saying that that's the type of scenario where you, maybe you're flipping him because if you're the Knicks, like there's not a whole lot of money out there that goes on multiple. It's it's you're 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 basically talking about flipping him for multiple uh, um yeah someone not in their rookie contract or sorry someone that is on their rookie contract or putting him into a larger deal, which is a whole other conversation. Or so. no, well, I, I am suggesting that you could potentially put Kevin Knox in a deal for a player who's coming back who's not on an expiring contract. And who's making around the same, like, I'll just pull the rabbit out of the hat. Someone like a DJ Augustine, right? He's making $7.3 million the following season. Only yeah. $333,333 333 yeah. is guaranteed. If you flip Kevin Knox to the Rockets, take back DJ Augustine, you're basically saving them at least $333,333 the following pick year. pick up a, a second round pick or something. Right. They, like, whatever you do, you basically want to cobble more salary together. That type of mindset. Or maybe, you know, what works better if you're the Knicks? That type of avenue? Or maybe you go to OKC and you say, hey, you guys are so far under the salary cap uh, or uh, under the salary floor that yeah. you need salary to, to meet that demand. So we'll trade you Kevin Knox. We'll trade you into your traded player exceptions, one of them. And then in return, you know, we don't really want anything, but we gain a $5.8 million trade exception ourselves that we can then use within the next calendar year. Within the next calendar year. Like other than that, because my whole thing with Kevin Knox is 
I, I do feel bad for him, right? Well, how could you not? I think I the organization. Like, let me just be clear. Anyway. I think the organization completely screwed him over. I, I don't think I, he, he's not an all star, but he's not. I, I don't think if he went to a different. And I'm blaming the people that are no longer here. I yes. don't. Uh, I, I don't think he'd be this if he went to another organization. Well, you know, if I had anything to say about it at the time, it should have always been Mikael Bridges. But mm. you know, it's a You're water right. under the bridges. So it's the sort of thing with with Kevin Knox where you just have to kind of figure out a, a solution here, right? Because just having him as a depth piece, it only basically lets Steve Mills and, and Scott Perry, that tandem's legacy live on. And, and you just need to give that's him a the better real opportunity. Right. Incentive. He's the last piece. Well, actually RJ, I guess, but, uh, and Mitch, but you know, those are the good sides. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll keep those, but that's, that's my thing. My conspiracy with Kevin Knox, it's not going to happen. He's not going to be signed. To a, a contract extension, there's no reason the next one. Fucking but, wild, <laughs> but if they did that, it would actually be pretty no, wise, if I do say so myself. But, it, um, but, yeah, but no, hold on. You're, here's here's why you're you're not crazy because again, the cap space is not a thing that they need to care about next year, right? In the least, so extending him for another year, it really and like if you're Kevin Knox and his 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 people that are advising him, and you're like they want to give you. Six million dollars next year to maybe play basketball. Like, are you really going to tell Kevin? Like, no, don't don't turn it down. There are definitely greener pastures elsewhere. Like, I I don't know that. Yeah. The only thing is, it's the structure of the deal because at least when restricted free agency, the way it would work for another team is has to be at minimum three years, and it's two guaranteed, and yeah. the one after that. But again, look at look at what Josh Hart just signed. Right, the perfect example. He was a restricted free agent, and he signed. I think it was a three year and. About $36 million deal. First year is guaranteed. Yeah. Second year is it's like a it's non-guaranteed. And the third year, I think, is non-guaranteed in the player option, or it's year two and year three, the other it's way around. It's something funky. I know that. Right. So we're seeing teams getting very creative with these deals to a point where we actually haven't quite seen that type of structure before. So if you're the Knicks and you have this idea with Kevin Knox where it's like, okay, he's not gonna see time anyway. We could just figure something similar to that. We it works. It We've just work. given Kevin Knox more minutes on this podcast than he's going to get all season. So uh, it's a Ouch. it's a good good time to move on. Um, I'll I'll finish up with this. Uh, my uh, a positive overreaction, an overreaction. I agree with, um, and I'm going to turn to former. K- I'm using the holster, Andrew. Former KFS podcast guest Keith Smith, who tweeted out. During the game, um, I should probably have this up already, but it'll, it'll take me like two seconds to find it, um, that he does not think it's crazy or probably even was worded it a little bit more um, kinder than that. Here we go. Calling it now. RJ Barrett is going to be close to making the all-star team this year. He took a huge leap last season and he looks even better early in the preseason. I think he's right. I think RJ is absolutely going to be in the all-star conversation this year. I don't think he's going to make the team. I don't think he's going to make the team, but I think he is going to be in the all-star conversation this year. And the reason why, and I, I, I didn't make this an overreaction because a lot of people after the Wizards game were, were telling, you know, they were like three seed, three seed, three seed. This team's a three seed. Listen, it's one step at a time, but this team's going to be good. And I think this team is, I think there is going to be, a clear, like there was last last year to a certain extent, a clear demarcation of top teams, not contenders, but like, you know, your top 10 or 12. And I think the Knicks are going to be in that group. I think they've, uh, they've shown me enough personally that if they stay healthy, they'll be in that group. And I think RJ is going to be viewed as the second best player on the team. So if you're a really good NBA team and like you're the second best guy on the team. Like you're going to be in the all-star conversation and you should be, because I think he's going to be contributing to a lot of what happens here that, that goes right. Um, I mean, his three ball looks so good right now, you know, some other stuff he, he could work on, but I love that he's trying to work on that stuff during the preseason. So um, despite what some may say, I'm very high on RJ Barrett. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's pretty impressive where I agree. He should be, pretty much the second option. There are going to be some nights where the second best player is going to be the fourth option. And that's also a testament to how, you know, how much firepower this offense is going to have, especially in the starting lineup. So I definitely think most improved player that's 
high, you know, somewhere he will be. It's still <sighs> just crazy to me how when we, we see the, well, if he's in the all-star conversation, you have to think he's at least in the, the MIP can short list, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that be, again, as we saw last year, that becomes so narrative based. But yes, I think he'll be in the conversation. Right. So I don't know. I, I just I'm very optimistic. And the fact that I, he's he's not hesitant at all in his shot making or nope. shot attempts. I think nope. last night he was three of eight from the field and he was three of seven from three. So, you know, like he's got to finish a little bit more drawing contact and and getting to the line. And that will come with time. But again, like he his catch and shoot is getting better and better. And it's such a shame that people have this first impression and then it doesn't change. Of course, unless it's another team with any other player that's not RJ Barrett on the Knicks. Because again, we have seen time and time again stories of how bad RJ was under Fisdale. And he, you know, like Drew Hanlon, I believe, talked about how they changed the work yeah. that he had done and Thanks affected again, his Keith shot. Smith. So well, Keith Smart. Keith smart, smart, excuse me. Keith, no, yeah, we love Keith, Keith Smith in this house. <laughs> we love Keith Smith. We do Keith not, smart. <laughs> we do not um, like Keith Smart. Good catch, Jeremy. Yeah, friend of the it. pod, Keith Smith. There you good go. Friend of the I pod. just quoted him. I know. Saved the well, NBA bubble. Yes. Yeah, saved exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think there's uh, certainly optimism in that front. But, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting, man. And okay. I, I also feel like the, I don't know, maybe should his, should RJ's new nickname be like, the vaccine or something because of how he was able to stop Bradley Beal. I don't know. Like th- there's something that you could have some, some work you could do there that, that makes sense. Let's call him. Let's call him Fauci. That's RJ's new nickname. Fauci. We can do that. Fauci. Yeah. That's a good one. The doctor. Yeah. This you make a comment on <laughs> so much for no comment. Hey, that was a totally separate situation. <laughs> My legal team said this was fine. My lawyer, one third of my uh, okay. legal team one was talking. Legal I have to meet. Teams. I have yeah. to meet your lawyers. Yeah, you know. Okay, <laughs> stand up, walk to a mirror, and then yeah. pull out your phone and text your other two friends. Yeah, I have a podcast with my lawyer tomorrow. All right, we good. We good. good. Well, and then we, and then we got a plug before we go. Our football teams aren't good. It's true. Yeah. Can I ask an honest question? Is yeah, Kenny Galladay dead? Is Kenny Galladay dead? What happened to Kenny Galladay? I, I don't know, but I started him today. And uh, let me just update he got hurt. Sure. He, he left got the hurt. Game. Yeah. Oh, he got hurt. Okay, yeah. great. So I'm just wondering why he got me zero points. And um, oh. that's unfortunate well, because I could have started somebody else who got me many more points. But you also yeah. kind of spoke Daniel Jones's injury into existence. But yeah, that was that was not my fault. Daniel Jones, that looks scary. That yeah. that was the the part of watching football that I don't like when I'm reminded, oh, that's right, this sport is dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, thankfully your team lost in the afternoon like a normal football team. It didn't make you wake up at eight in the morning to lose in a different country. It's really too bad. Damn yeah. that football team. Thankfully, I, mean, I was we're, we're doing Halloween for final review this week, so I was watching the original Halloween and. Like the jets were on my phone, and then every time I kept looking over, it's like up, oh, down by seven, up, oh, down by ten, which, up, down which, by seven. Which was scarier? Honestly, the game in London potentially, because I don't find the original Halloween that scary. I find it's it thought provoking. Yeah, it's I can't wait good, to listen to this episode, Bo. It's only it's the only good one to be honest. The rest are just mm-hmm. let's see what Freddie or the secret of the witch can do. You know. Um, I've not I Freddy, Michael, Michael. Yeah, I don't remember any of the other. I've seen another, a couple other Halloweens. I don't really remember them other than the, the Buster Rhymes one, which was phenomenal. You want to hear something um, crazy? There's 11 of them, John. I believe it. I believe it. They're, yeah. The one coming out on Friday is their 12th. This, this franchise, because we're doing a category best Halloween movie, it's like, do we want to narrow it like Bond to a soul franchise? And Oz is like, there's like a dozen of them. It's like, oh my God, they're. There are 12 of these movies. I never want to hear somebody get mad that they keep making Fast and Furiouses again. Uh, neither of these are franchises. Neither of those that are franchises you, I care much about. Yeah, there should actually be a crossover between the two. I'd like to see that. <laughs> that was, well, I mean, listen, they crossed over uh, Freddy and, uh, Freddy and, and Jason. Jason so, Freddy and Jason, you know, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, I got one it. thing to plug. Yes, ahead, just plug. one thing. Uh, and that is we might have two tickets available for our upcoming game for the KFS game. So if you're interested, it's not too late. Uh, just email us at nixfilmschoolgmail.com and uh, we can make something happen. So yeah. Boom. Giddy up. 
get yeah all right there you go and on that note thank you everybody for listening to another episode of the mixed film school podcast don't forget if you enjoy the show uh feel free to drop us a review give us a rating uh subscribe if you have not already done so uh don't forget of course Patreon is available for anybody who would like to listen to bonus episodes of the Knicks Film School podcast. We do uh, one a week, which you could get in um, almost all of the Patreon tiers. And uh, we got some really fun stuff coming up for that, including me talking about my top 75 players of all time. My God, what am I going to do? I don't know because I, Andrew thinks I finalized my list, but I haven't. We're recording that tomorrow. Listen, man, um, it's up to you if you want to finalize it or not. We're going to record <laughs> no. whether you're no, finalized no, 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 no. or not. <laughs> and it'll be finalized by then. Anyway, um, so check out Patreon and uh, as always, thanks for listening to the show and we'll be back with you with another episode before you know it.